Hi everyone, just before we start on this week's pod, uh, just a quick shout out um, to the Trek on Twitter uh, weekend, which is taking place next weekend between August 19th and 21st, celebration of Star Trek fandom on Twitter and all the complete nonsense we get up to. There's three days, 19th and 21st, uh, 19th we're dedicated to cosplays and edits, 20th dedicated to art, and 21st to writing and podcasting. That's us, podcasters, go us. The greatest day. Use Trek on TWT to share and find other awesome creators in the community and follow at Trek on underscore TWT on Twitter for more information. That's hashtag Trek on TWT, Trek on Twitter. So yeah, I'll see you guys there. Follow the account. I believe there will also be a fan fiction contest. So if you head over to, as Olivia said, at Trek on underscore TWT for more information. There will also be screenings of episodes each day on our Discord server with more info to come about that. So yeah, that sounds very exciting, and we hope you all enjoy. On with the podcast. Hi, I'm John. Hi, I'm Livia. And I'm Will. And this week, we've watched Shore Leave, and now we're going to argue about whether it's going to make us quit Star Trek. I have just said earlier that this episode to me is up there with Spock's brain, masks. This is to say it is in the artistic hall of fame. This is Gene's true vision. This is perfection. It is perfection. I can't argue. It's so good. It's so ridiculous. And the white rabbit. Yeah. Kirk beats an an Irishman up. That's not good. You say that with an Irish flag in yeah, the background. Yeah, an Irish flag in the background, but like... Yeah, I mean, so this, I, I think this episode kind of counts as a hate crime towards the Irish, just with Finnegan in general. Yeah, he's just, just... Why is he... <laughs> but it just, it's, it's fine, because the rest of the episode is just so whack. But I mean, I mean, not only is this episode Gene's vision, it is literally Gene's vision, because Gene wrote this episode sitting under a tree on the set. Yeah, that's, that's the, the Trek lure, is that... They had an episode that was out of control and Gene was like, don't worry, I'm Gene Roddenberry. I've got the vision. So let me just sit here and just bang out new pages and it'll be fine. And we got this. So, you know, yeah. draw your it's own. It's funny because fine. this episode has the same sort of gravity as sort of Newton sitting under the tree, the apple falls on his head. It has that same sort of effect to the world. It's just yeah. revelatory. <laughs> it, is it is equal to history. Yeah. But it's also, you know, it's not... If this one of these episodes, you're like, wow, Star Trek is just actually fucking insane. More, please. <laughs> please, more. <laughs> this is season one, right? This yeah, is this why is like I stuck around. Yeah. This is the episode after Balance of Terror. Right. Yeah. So this like is... you go from Balance of Terror to like a sub hunt and mystical and contemplation of war and death and sacrifice, and then mm-hmm. a battle of rabbit suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I love about classic Trek is um, you'll get an excellent episode, you know, something like balance of terror, doomsday machine. You'll get something where you're like, wow, that's awesome. The very next thing you'll see is the most insane, like cheap curse thing you've ever seen in your whole life. And then it'll get right back on track the next. And it's like Galileo seven. And it's like, Oh, this is actually like pretty well written. And it's like, sandwiched between like some of the best pieces of drama. Yeah. In science fiction. And it exceeds it. Right. <laughs> absolutely we all agree <laughs> i i mean i the things i love about this episode is it has you know i i love it because like you get like the older kind of like cantankerous trekkies who are just like you know who who hate on new trek and everything with that and talk about how star trek is hard sci-fi all you have to do is show them like this episode and be like are you sure are you sure that's the hill you want to die on star trek you know is might not be <laughs> the uh the, the hard hitting, you know, reflection on humanity you think it is sometimes. This is sometimes the closest. Sorry, you finished. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah. Sometimes it's just a dude in a bunny suit. This is the closest Star Trek gets to Red Dwarf. <laughs> this is, is that why I love it. it. Yeah, this is the closest it gets to that level of just utter batshit, and it's brilliant. Thank you, Will, for this. I mean, you know, this would have yeah. been a, as I said, this is probably why I love you kept watching. Did you start Star Trek with the original series? Or were you coming in the 90s like everyone seems to have done except us? (laughs) Yeah, because because I'm a very old man, I I started watching uh, Star Trek. I was really, really little. So I'm I'm in my mid-30s now. 
and I've been watching it basically my entire life. Um, gun to my head, I can't tell you the first episode of Star Trek I watched because I was that young watching it. I do remember by the time the third season was going, I think I was pretty like watching it on a, you know, whenever the new episodes were coming out. Because I remember I was about four, four or five when uh, Best of Both Worlds Part One premiered. So I remember watching that and uh, it would get to, you know, it got to the, you know, wharf fire moment and then credits. And as a little kid, not understanding why the episode wasn't like why it wasn't going anymore. Like why, why did it stop? <laughs> I didn't understand what was going on. And from my little child perspective, it was years until we saw part two. Like, you know, it felt like by the time, you know, best of both worlds part two premiered, you know, it was like, Oh, star Trek, you know, that's a name I haven't heard in years, you know, and it'd been like three months, but <laughs> when you're that young, you have no conception of that. So I, uh, that's my uh, introduction to Star Trek is it's just always been around. And I think people kind of forget like Star Trek in the nineties was so unbelievably huge. Like it was, nobody was talking about Star Wars anymore because Star Wars, um, even prior to when I was born, uh, Return of the Jedi was out of theaters. It, it was long over. There was no talk. of It was anymore. a subcult. It was a sub of a subculture. Wasn't it? it was just books. Wasn't yeah. it? Star Wars, wasn't That's it? so beautiful to think about. Just yeah, it, it was the franchise your dad watched. Like your dad was like, "Oh, I like Star Wars," and you're like, "Get out of here, old man. Let's watch Star Trek. That's what all the kids like." Relegated and, to nothing. That's good. Yeah. So I. That's when I grew up. Was uh, I mean, Kirk movies were still coming out. Undiscovered Country I saw in theaters. So Star Wars was not on my like radar until like the mid '90s and when they did the special edition re-releases. So that's why I'm such a huge Star Trek fan to this day. Is that was my thing? That's what I grew up with. So when you were growing up with it, was it just yes, everything's great? Or was there a moment then when you were like, oh, oh this show can be shit sometimes? <laughs> there, it was. Uh, even as a as a youngster, I was kind of like there were two different ways I would look at it. Like I felt like when Star Trek was good, no matter what show I was watching, it was good. It was like awesome. Um, when next generation was bad, it was boring. And I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not really into it. And when uh, TOS was bad, it was still fun and just out there and insane. And so, but I, I grew up, I mean, my show is next generation because I'm nostalgic like that. That's what I started off with. That's always going to be my, like my home is next generation. That being said, Deep Space Nine is obviously the better show. Uh, there's just no two ways about it. That's definitely the superior Thanks. one. Yeah, I can see the concern in Olivia's face as you were saying how much she loved TNG. But TNG is a better than like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we can take our hand off the. No, I was, I was agreeing with all of this analysis. TNG, <laughs> when it's bad, is the most boring, like, insufferable thing to watch. When it's good, or it's good. Though. Yeah. It's, when it's bad, it's either really boring or racist, you know. And uh, that's, the, that's kind yeah. of the Star Trek rule. Yeah. <laughs> it's either boring or just racist. It's tradition. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> and sometimes you get a combination of both boring and racist and you get code of honor. And, you know, and then uh, hey. the UN has called in to deal with the humanitarian crisis, you know, because that's just a crime against humanity, that episode. Now we're thinking about it. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to <laughs> It's all right, because we have, as you said, when TOS is bad, it's fucking nuts. And we love that. Yeah. And that's what we have today. I yeah. refuse. I refuse. This is actually excellent. And I will say nothing bad about it. Let me begin. We open mm. on perfection. Spurt <laughs> action is occurring. Not directly, but indirectly. It's and we so, have the iconic such a quote. weird moment. The iconic moment. Dig yeah. it in there, Mr. Spock. Yeah. I, I think I think it was you, Olivia, who like first tweeted out like there is no straight explanation for that scene, and it had never, never in my like straight cis brain it, that moment had never occurred to me to be anything other than their friends. And I think when you tweeted that out, I was like, she's absolutely right. There's no other, <laughs> there's no other reading of that moment. He was distraught that it was that woman. Okay, yeah. he looked so like oh oh fuck. I, mean, I remember. Watching, having not watched some of the frames, but watching for the first time a couple of ages a couple of months ago, just be like, how did I think those two were? Mm -hmm. Like, I get, you know, if you, I'm not one of these people who gets pissed if you don't accept my shit, but also like, mm -hmm. 
Come on, they literally wrote a scene where Kirk thinks Spock's giving him a background and gets upset when it's not Spock. Yeah, yeah, there, there is no other reading of that scene. And I, I have my, you know, kind of my own perception of Kirk and Spock, but I think lately in the last few years, I've come to like really be like, you know what? No, I think, I think the Spurkheads are right. I think there is definitely, there's, there's definitely at least something there, you know? Things up. They have their moments that are undeniable. Yeah. Um, but, but you I mean, know, we leave this true paradise um, to go to this old this place on this planet's surface. I don't really care. I was li- I was <laughs> in the perfect place. I was happy, and we go to this place that's apparently cool. Yeah, and McCoy is down there, and he's with Sulu, and they're, they're having a chill time. They seem pretty pleased with themselves. And then basically, McCoy's like, "This is a wonderful garden. All that's missing is Alice. Is the white rabbit and Alice? And then they appear." And he's just like, what the fuck? And he, he looks at the rabbit. And the rabbit runs into the head. And then the little girl appears. It's like, have you seen a white rabbit? And he just sort of points. I love the way that his immediate reaction is just to be like, yeah, he, he went that way. It's going to be yeah. helpful. There's no Google Maps. I mean, this, the, the Alice in Wonderland comment doesn't make sense. No. I didn't I didn't understand what, like, it, it was very forced, which is fine. Because this was art, as we've established. Mm-hmm. But is that actually anything in reality that why they would say that? No. I think it's public domain, and so that's a reference <laughs> they could pull without paying uh, anyone. Uh, uh, like right. Most things, anything pop culture, Star Trek, it's like, is it public domain? Yes, all right, we'll use it. Anything oh, that we have to pay for, no, it doesn't exist. Thank yeah. you, copyright. I think a lot about the fact that um, they really wanted to do like more Julian Bashir super spy shit, but... <laughs> MGM said absolutely not because they were going old, they were about to go off this year. It was like they were bringing, like, it was just before Goldeneye, I think. Mm-hmm, so they were like, yeah. you cannot do more Bond shit. And I think that's why copyright's bad because you missed out on more Garashir moment. Whatever. I mean, look, look, that is a travesty. So, yeah, we continue on and basically. Kirk's making fun of McCoy for seeing a rabbit. And then Spock's like, are you going to go on a short leave? And Kirk's like, of course not. I don't need to go on a short leave, he says, falling asleep, standing up. And then Spock basically tricks him to go on a short leave by being like, oh, there's a crewman who needs to go on a short leave. And Kirk's like, he's got to go. And then Spock's like, it's you. You're the crewman. You could have seen this coming from a mile off if you hadn't been so fucking tired. Yeah, I like that he logic tricks him into like, you know, like, oh, you've ordered yourself. Like, that's not how orders work, but okay, you know, he goes with it anyway. He gets the point. It's a roast. He said that his reaction times were down. That's a little fierce. Yeah. (laughs) Spock. And then, so we go down and we see, who is it? It's Teller and Kellowitz. No, no, it's Teller and um, Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Teller... Fun fact, Teller is the um, ensign, is a lieutenant whose husband just died. Yeah, literally yeah, episode is... four. Yeah, they're... Oh, no. They're the one who was about to get married. Yeah, and then yeah. Tomlinson gets killed by the fumes. And then she's here flirting with this scientist, like, a couple of months later. Yeah, I mean... Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> the, the therapy they've got in the future is really good. You know, she's healthy, she's moving on, you know. They put her on a lot of drugs, well, you know how the, it works. The therapy yeah. was Dr. McCoy. Oh, it's kind of... Oh, oh dear. Oh. <laughs> and then, so they beam down. So Kirk beams down with Yeoman Barrows. And basically they make fun of Bones more. But then Bones is like, there's a fucking footprint here. And Kirk's like, hmm, it could be a rabbit. And McCoy just looks at him like, Jim. <laughs> What do you mean it could be a rabbit? Is it yeah. not a massive human-sized footprint? But it's definitely a rabbit paw print. So. And also, like, why would Bones like make that up? Like, Bones is, is never the type of person to just like come up with crazy stuff on the show. And he's like, no, I saw a giant rabbit. Kirk sees a footprint. Just, well, you could be right. It's There's no... There can't be any more evidence that there's something else on the planet, Kirk. And he's just like, I don't know, Bones. Yeah, you could, uh, this might be one of your practical jokes you're so known for. He just got absolutely annihilated by Spock and he's just in a weird frame of mind. He's gonna, he's gonna pass on the dickishness of someone else. <laughs> so yeah, they're, they're standing up this pool when they start hearing gunshots and we get the first of several beautiful long shots where we basically, what we're seeing is the basically rough distance that William Shatner can run 
before he start he starts to realize that he's incredibly out of shape. Yep. And it's about <laughs> 80 yards. Oh god. Which is good, I guess. But it's it's painfully clear it's about 80 yards. Because the moment they could have kept because it's a nice smooth like running camera shot of like panning across this green this like glade. And then it cuts. Yeah. And then we find Sulu with a pistol, which he's very pleased about because this is at that stage where they're still trying to do an ensemble cast. So look at all Sulu's interests. He likes mm. guns. Yeah, just firing off a random six shooter like a maniac, like just in any direction. Just he finds a loaded gun and it's like, all right, he just starts shooting. And but that's Sulu, how we know no, Sulu's... there's other people investigating around here and just shooting randomly, just you know. Thrown cops to the wind. Is a Japanese American. <laughs> I, I, I realize now because I wrote down in my notes why are they out of breath? Was that just Shatner's genuine pain? Like this entire conversation, they're like hyperventilating. I think that was because Shatner is legitimately out of breath, and everyone else, like not wanting to make Shatner look foolish, is like, I guess we're out of breath too. Yeah. Right there's no what's way the, everyone else was that unfit. It was just what's him. What's the name they playing Barris does feelings. not look uncomfortable running in heels? What's the name playing Barris looks incredibly uncomfortable running in heels? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like back in the days like when they were still trying to like, you know, like you said, like Shatner is not athletically inclined at all. Like he can't really run at all. This is before like the TJ Hooker days where they're literally just filming him from the waist up and like filming him like just with his hands just going like this in front of a rear projection screen because Shatner can't run at all. Like this is before they had figured that out and they were like, oh, um, we should get a stunt guy for most of this. Like My from now on. Is you can tell, it, it's like in Wrath of Khan, there's a great sequence where they're preparing the ship for battle and Shat and Kirk, Admiral Kirk runs down a corridor and it's like, that's the about, that's literally like as far as William Shatner can run before it starts getting cringe with. Yep. And it's just like, ah, you're an old little shitbag now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, he's he's not the most, um, uh, yeah, not the, not the best runner in the biz, not the best fighter in the biz. And not the best actor in the biz. Wow, <laughs> shots fired. This is, you know, if you come into this podcast now after um, episode 40, I want to say. Is this 40? Are we I in think this the is 40s? 40s. This is episode 40. Well, technically, if you include the special episodes, this is episode 43. But if you're getting episode 40 slash 43 and you still haven't figured out we we, we fucking ain't with your Shatner, yeah, um, he, I don't want to tell you. <laughs> when when he blocks, when will he block the podcast account? He's not blocked me. I don't know how. He blocked me and I, I've never interacted with the man. So, you know, I guess the next stage is the podcast being blocked and then... You blocked by William Shatner, Will? No, I don't think I am. Uh, so he hasn't blocked me, or whoever's running his social media account hasn't blocked me. Um, but I don't really, just because I'm not convinced. I mean, I'm convinced about him as a person that I'm not. I'm not the biggest Shatner fan as a person, but I don't really interact with his Twitter account because I'm not convinced that's him. Neither did I. I'm not he, I'm not convinced he's capable of running a social media account. <laughs> so I mean, I've seen I, him talk person i'm like there's no way this guy tweets there's just he shouts something at a at an assistant who kind of tweets stuff out and that's that's as much interaction as he gives on what makes it worse someone did tell oh, me a name of someone who's running his account but i've forgotten who it was if yeah. you're running william shatner's twitter account i'd like to request you stop stop, <laughs> <laughs> stop. <laughs> yeah stop they're emulating his energy, so... Anyway, so Kirk, tells, Kirk takes a gun off Sulu, which is a very nice of him. And then Kirk is reminiscing about being a massive fucking nerd to Bones, which is very funny. <laughs> and then Kirk's Academy bully turns up and just punches him in the face. <laughs> Hold on. Was he introduced as a bully? Because to me, he introduced him as like a fun prankster. And then suddenly the guy shows up and beats the shit out of him for like thirty like, minutes. What a great prank, you know, like such a, what a what a jovial prankster. He just pops out and punches you in the face. What a <laughs> it's a big a step hilarious. from like cold soup in your bed and yeah, a bucket of water above a ta- above a um, doorway to fucking. Yeah. Also, Which, how does a bucket of water above a doorway work when they have sliding doors? 
yes that's what i was about to say is like how did like where where starfleet you know starfleet has like they could teach anybody like how to work a work court but they still have classic doors that you open and close by hand it doesn't make well, any I guess sense it's better for fire safety and you know you exactly. have better that's, fire safety but it's like if there's a power short if there's a power outage you don't have to like force the doors open you can just open it <laughs> I guess that makes sense. If somebody who has read any of these Starfleet technical manuals can tweet at us and tell us what the actual reason is for them having classic doors that you open with a door handle. Well, I mean, I, it, as, as the kind of person who reads Starfleet manuals for pleasure, because I'm no. I have no friends. <laughs> <laughs> I have them, but I don't read them because, like, I, you know, that's, that's how I maintain my coolness. Is, okay. I, they're yeah, just John. all right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there's no, there's nothing in them that's like. I mean, it's kind of like, why does this door? Why is this door got a handle? Because sometimes doors have handles. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Finnegan's just a piece of shit. He's he's a he's fat boy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's literally. I'm pretty much cool with every character in Star Trek history. Like I, uh, I have a hard time picking who's my favorite. I I can make a case for just about anybody in Star Trek. Finnegan, no. I can't make a case for him. He's my least favorite. I hate his voice. I hate the actor's performance. I hate the way he looks. I hate everything about him. Just trash character all around. Well, the, the is that man? Is vile. And the wig is vile. Yeah. But he's supposed to be 20 years old. He looks yeah, that's 35. Yeah. He mocks Kirk for not looking young. I'm 21, but people think I'm 35. <laughs> That's your general aura. You are seen like a learned young man. <laughs> I don't think you look like me. Like that dude looks like me. Like that guy looks yeah, like right. in my class, you know. And you know, Shatner, like he's like, you're an old man. It's like he's. You guys are the same age. Like there's just no <laughs> other way around it. But then it could beat the shit out of him and then runs away. <laughs> Yeah, it's just the, the idea of the episode of making this character like this little like imp, you know, that's like running around, like literally jumping and laughing. Is and just like Irish fiddle music playing in the background. Yeah. Oh, I so, hate... What is your deal? Like, what do you have against the Irish? We, we really... They're Americans. That's what they have against the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they had their own version of Irish. <laughs> yes, and, that, and it's terrible. Cool. Go and listen Ireland. to Log Ladder, folks, because we did that with Linda and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, started yeah. treats the Irish like shit. Shocker. Yeah, up until like five years ago, like America really just looked at Ireland as it's the Lucky Charms like box. Like that's that's Ireland. Right? <laughs> it's like that and Conan O'Brien. That's, that's oh God. I- Conan O'Brien Irish. What? <laughs> I actually but, love Conan O'Brien. But he's not Irish. He's a, he is, uh, he's, he's there, Irish I'm man. more Irish than Conan O'Brien. <laughs> so Barrow's uniform gets ripped and there's this baffling scene where she's just not having a good time because she got attacked by Don Juan, which... Um, uh, yeah, what is Dawn? this? Is that like... Okay, I'm not super familiar with Don Juan. Is he just... My, my impression of the character is that he like seduces women like you know puts on disguises and you know basically gaslights women all the time yeah but not not he doesn't i'm not familiar with him being like violently assaulting women you know is that not part of the character i don't that's what i thought i thought thought he was just like a player i saw i didn't see the play but there is a play Mm-hmm. And my impression of the plot was that he was just like a seducing a lot of women. I, I don't think they would have an entire premise that he's assaulting women, but maybe they do. I don't know. But Star Trek took that turn. Yeah, because that was like the same thing in the 60s to so like male writers. They were like, oh, seducing women, attacking women, you know. Same thing. Basically the same thing. You know, we're all on board, right? And then, you know, went off to write their horrible television. But when we do the enemy within, because at some point we will do the enemy within, which is just in my head as the one where Kirk, had, where half of Kirk's psyche attempts a sexual assault, we will tackle this properly because that's just, that's like the third episode of Star Trek. You've really period. been waiting for that one. You're ready. I'm ready for a lot of things, but, um, so, um, yeah. I think Shatner... we just need to address the fact that 
up until this point, like around this point in the episode, there was perfect homoerotic vibes. It was impeccable. But suddenly, Ruth is here. So let's introduce everyone to Ruth. She's wearing a very nice dress. I don't care. <laughs> Ruth, everything. <laughs> He's Kirk's first love, which, you know, I, 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 at this point in the series, might even be the fourth or fifth first love that Kirk had. I'm not sure they kept track. Very well, doesn't well. he have a first love in the last episode of season three? Yeah. I don't think, that, I don't think it's ever specified that they're first loves. They're just old slaves. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm now fully on board the train that Kirk and Spock had a relationship in Starfleet Academy. And nowadays are very healthy exes who like want the best. <laughs> that's that's now my headcanon is like is like they're like they, Troy and Riker. But now they're you know, they're just they're just bonded that way forever. I need them to be retired and happy together. So <laughs> I guess I can accept that they're exes if I know in about five years they're back together and they're I'm sure forever. I'm sure they have an agreement with each other of like Look, if you don't settle down, if I don't settle down by this point. No, it has to be true love, Will. <laughs> yeah, but it can, Olivia, you, you've read the fan fiction. You know, it starts as a marriage for tax purposes and then they yeah. fall in love in the way. Yep, that's read more fan fine. <laughs> I just need Amic time to be every day for that. That's all. <laughs> Finding each other to the death. <laughs> if that's all they're into, I thought we don't kink shame on the podcast, huh? I thought that was your motto. Yeah, but I take exception every time. <laughs> so where were we? So Ruth, they went looking for Sulu and he ran into Ruth instead. And he's dealing with that instead. So he's kind of not paying attention, which, um, yeah, I guess we got that. That's some um, fun. And then the more cursed bit, which is Human Barrows and McCoy, because Human Barrows is like, um, wouldn't it be great to be a princess? And then McCoy's like, yeah, you'd have all the knights queuing up for you. And me. It's... And she kind of looks at him and goes, <laughs> and then she's like, oh, you're serious. Yeah. What was this energy between them? What it was, was this plot was originally written, written for Kirk, and they decided against it. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm grateful for that. Yeah, this really felt out of nowhere, just all of a sudden McCoy just being like, really into this random yeoman we've never met before, who looks about 20 years younger than him. It was very uncomfortable, just like, I don't like seeing McCoy like this, like trying to put the booze on a much younger woman. I could do without seeing that for my entire life. Like, and You can't even like, blame the planet for making him horny. It was not, that was not one of the side effects. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, a dress, maybe I can change the dress and look, I'll be a lady to be protected and fought for. And the fantasy like, of everything, yeah. <laughs> It's like, what yeah. is happening? I know, okay, you know what? It's the 60s. I'll just let it go. <laughs> Listen, we don't kink shame on the podcast, exactly. as you said. So we, if, if human Barrows wants that, she could do it on her own time. <laughs> Fine. But then Esteban Rodriguez is like, uh, I need some help here, doctor, because they're, they're being stalked by a lion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, by uh, stock footage of a tiger is following him. And, uh, Would you like to do something fun? Yes. Absolutely. Not stock footage. No. They had stop. an actual lion on set. It's a tiger. Tiger. They had an actual tiger. They bought an actual tiger to Vasquez Rocks. That's why there's a chain around its neck. Really? Because it's different film stock. And so yeah, it's I different film assumed, stock. I always just assumed like that was just like from like, one of the Disney vaults where they like tortured like animals and stuff and were like, look at the tiger in nature. No, you know, I thought it was from something like that. Why did they need to bring the tiger? <laughs> you'll find that out. I'll tell you at the end. I'll this tell is you the why they news. brought the lion. This like, is the best news, but listening If you want to find out why they had a tiger. Anyway, we go on to the next act where Sulu is fighting a samurai. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, McCoy, when he's like having his little flirtatious princess time, hated that sentence, um, says, <laughs> when I peek, it's in the line of duty. And we just need to dissect that. When you and, peek. And here we go. Gene's actual vision crystallized right here. Gene's vision, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay, now yeah, we can move that's, on. Give me a second. Hold on. The worst McCoy line possibly ever written. That's just, it's so terrible. It is 
Yeah. And then, yeah, so Sulu's being chased by a samurai, which is um, short. Of course. Yeah, why not? I love that all these long shots of, like, Sulu, George Takai walking. George Takai has these, like, really weird walking stunts. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's, like, a theatre walk. It's just... It is a kind of, like, ob- it seems like a theatre walk he learned at some point. Yeah, so, yeah it's so- true. And, and I don't I don't quite understand, because it's all supposed to be triggered, you know, by, like, somebody wishing for something out loud. Sulu's not saying anything, and the planet just throws a samurai at him. I don't think he's even wishing. I think he's just thinking about something. Planet, the planet's racist. <laughs> the planet That's was like... I think. It's like, they have to say something out loud. That's how things are triggered. And... Well, no, because Kirk is just thinking about the Academy, and then Finnegan and Roos appear. I thought yeah, he said he's... it. No, he started he's talking still... about the Academy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what true. But I, I think it is explicitly said later. It's thoughts, not words. Oh, okay. 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 Defend the racist planet think- then. I don't yeah. think the planet's. I don't think the planet is racist because Sulu was thinking about samurai. I think the, the planet writer is just, not an ally. I don't, yeah, the planet's obviously not an ally. I just don't think the writers could think of anything, anything was able to fight that wasn't like a samurai. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I'm only now comprehending how much this episode of. Like how much the episode is just Gene being horny again. I don't mm-hmm. know why I'm surprised at this point, but like the McCoy role playing is going on for so long. It's getting so much attention. This <laughs> night <laughs> fantasy. Then Spock yeah. beams down to save the day. And he beams down, he's like, Yeah, we're losing power. So we kind of gotta figure this this one out before shit goes to the fan. So then we get we- cut back to horny doctor and his relationship <laughs> with a younger woman. <laughs> <laughs> And she's changed, and is like, I'll be your handsome knight. And then an actual knight appears on a horse. <laughs> and yep. he's like, this can't be real. This has got to be a hallucination. This is cold. <laughs> and then he gets stabbed through the chest. And dies. And he dies. And just fucking McCoy. dies. But it's okay. He's in a good place. He's dead. <laughs> he's in a great place with his feathered friends. We'll find out he's later. Dead, anyway. So he's dead. And they have a little bit more of the hysterical woman trope. Because the hysterical woman, which... Barrowman uh, is freaking out. And yeah. in typical Shatner faction fashion, he grabs her and shakes her, because that's... A, <laughs> and if you... It was the best part of that scene is as he's talking to Barrowman, John O'Connor, it just cuts to Spock, who's just like, I want... I feel like Spock's standing, like... Is that when Spock's standing with his hands on the hips? Like? Yeah, he's just standing with <laughs> his hands on the hips, looking at McCoy's body. <laughs> and he's just, like, watching Kirk, like, just, why, why are you doing this? I mean, he's only beamed down to the planet for like two minutes, and already one of his best friends is killed. What a yeoman is dressed as a princess. There's a black knight. There's a lot going on, and so Spock is just probably processing. And the black knight's made of like should have stayed on the ship. I don't know. It's like the black knight's made of porcelain, but actually, like he's made of like vegetable matter or something. It's dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's dumb. Basically, the, the 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 man isn't real, and neither is anything else on the planet. Yeah. And then Rodriguez gets attacked by a fucking. Zero. <laughs> that that was fucking that. like Japanese fighter, but it's not because there are three pieces of stock footage. There's a shot of the plane turning, and the shots of the planes coming into attack. There's shots in the strafing. In the first shot is the Hellcat. <laughs> in the second shot is the Corsair, and in the Ugh. third shot it's two zeros. Yeah, they're, they're basically the same plane. It's all you know. It's a flying attack plane. What more do you want? We, you know, I'll need a pained expression. <laughs> Come Don't on, make such a pained expression. Let's no keep going. Let's add this to your D seven cruiser on. Yeah, let's go to the D seven list. The one with like they're all they all fly, so they're basically the same, right? Like, yeah, like no function. How different can planes be? I'm ending be? the podcast. I'm turning this off. <laughs> That's all, folks. We're done. We're done. I'll see you next time. <laughs> but, we got him. <laughs> I didn't want to kill. She's dead as well now. <laughs> yep. She, now she's dead. People are dying left and right. But you know. And then we get this bit where Spock figures it out. Finally, he's like, "Okay, so everything ev- that's happened, somebody thought of before." Right? And Kirk's like, "Hey, give me a second. I just need to beat this Irishman up." Yeah. <laughs> and we get an extremely labored and actually pointless sequence where Kirk beats an Irish. Kirk gets beaten up by an Irishman. And beats an Irishman up. I apologize for mentioning this show, 
but it's sort of like in Family Guy where Peter fights the chicken for <laughs> just a really absurdly long amount of time. And they're just, by the end, they are just sort of getting up, punching each other, and then collapsing back to the floor. Okay. It, it, also, is, it okay. is like the fight in, the, you know, the Family Guy fight or the fight in They Live where it, it is just like 20 minutes of screen time. And it's like clear that Gene was like, yeah, we've had to cut like eight scenes, so we need to fill some time. Let's all of a sudden switch from this wildlife park to uh, Vasquez Rocks, our old standby, and let's just shoot something there for 20 minutes. Just have two stunt guys slug each other. Well, so it, it was the place where he fought Gorn. Yeah, well, it's, what it is is that the park scene, that's at the Vasquez Rocks. So the Vasquez Rocks is like a big U shape, and in the middle is this wildlife park. I need to know. Side, it's like mm. the Vas- it's like that, and that's also where um, the Capella and Friday's Child is. And basically, if there's an outdoor scene in TOS, it's filled with Vasquez. Excuse me, where is this? Uh, outside, it's in LA. Yeah, thirty point one miles from Hollywood. Okay, yeah. Patrick, it, it, can you take me to this place? I'm just going to leave <laughs> this message for you in the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's about like 45, 50 minutes from where I live. Like, um, so it's oh, not you far. Can take me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because so it, it... it's not. It's just a straight shot from my place to there, which is hilarious. That like so much of TOS is just, and there's other places and like Rock Canyon. Yeah, there, there's other places around here where I've been walking around and I'm like, oh, this was a Star Trek scene. Like, this was, like, clearly the producers were like, I don't want to drive more than 20 minutes, so let's just... Well, it's a union thing, I think. What it is is that you have to be within a certain range. No, it's the close. It's like the closest spot where the union rules don't apply. Right, yeah. It's either either the closest spot where the union rules apply or the closest, or the only place where you can film and it's still county studio. You only have to pay day fees instead of travel fees it's complicated there's oh, a tom yeah. scott I video we right loved unions star trek what the hell <laughs> it started might like the unions but i'm not sure the producers did so there we are yeah exactly anyway i just want to say i'm going to go there dressed as gorn i want that all on the record <laughs> fun fact actually the guy who was in the rabbit costume is the same guy who plays the gorn <gasps> who is this also is... hadley the relief helmsman the relief navigator, the guy who's there instead of Chekhov. Don't know who that is. All I care about is that Gorn is the giant rabbit, and this is perfect. There's giant rabbit trivia, we'll get to it. It's quite fun. Okay. So, yeah, they beat him up, and Kirk's robe is ripped. And it's what Fies was like, as I was saying before you committed a hate crime against an Irishman. Yeah. Um, don't think about things, because that's what makes stuff appear. And Kirk's like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. And then they immediately think of everything. So they, they get dive-bombed by, here's one for you, it's a Hellcat painted to look like a Zero. <laughs> so, so now we're just like completely off the rails. We just, this is fucking... So they get, <laughs> they get dive-bombed by a Hellcat, they get attacked by a Samurai. Um, I think the tiger... Fight, there's, there's a tiger and it's in the same like film shot as... Um, yeah. So they get back to the main glade and Kirk lights everybody up and Barrows has now changed back into her ripped uniform, which I uh, don't know why. <laughs> nope, they only nope. have the Disney co- the princess costume for a day. <laughs> yeah, they get back to the costume department. And she so. gets she gets caught by Don Juan, who is browned up. Of course, yes. And I don't know why they needed to brown up a Spaniard. Just <laughs> like, to make closer the connection of skin color. Like, and just... Why do they have to brown up a Spaniard? Have you not have you not met a Spaniard? It wouldn't have made sense to like wide audiences in the sixties. It would have been like, well, well, wait, why isn't he, you know, more brown? This doesn't they have make sense. To make Star clear that he's bad. <laughs> yeah, that too. You know, it's, uh, it's <sighs> short for villain. So, gosh. So yeah, they're like, don't think of anything, nothing. And then a guy in like robes appears, <laughs> and he's just like, ah, Captain Kirk. It's time I actually explained why we're. What's the fuck is going on? And He's like, I know you all, you know, I know Sulu, Spock, Rodriguez, and Barrows, who he then leads up and fucking touches, because of course he does. Kind of strokes their chin, it's like, oh, the fuck. This is weird creep who comes out of nowhere, and my grandma's Moo and it's just like, you know, I'm a big fan of all you guys. Yeah, I'd follow this show, you know. 
it's it's such a bizarre like this planet run by an incel yeah <laughs> you are. He, he's like Trelane's wizard cousin mm-hmm. yeah Spock just looks so tired it's <laughs> like this has gone on too long I just want to go back to my loot and think about not having to deal with this shit and then Bones appears with go-go dancers in William West ice costumes with no straps the worst clothing <laughs> I have ever seen and you know me you guys know me you listen I should love it but it's just the ugliest thing I've ever seen <laughs> there, is, is... there are feathers in their belly buttons Okay, and here's the most important yeah. thing. Because there are no straps, that bralette thing they're wearing is probably taped to their skin. Okay. Yeah, there, there's no way. I mean, if it's not taped, it's held up by hopes and dreams. There's nothing. Suction cupped on. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have money for that, Olivia, please. It's yeah. 1968. Deeply obsessed with them. Definitely some PA with, like, you know, the electrical tape, like, right before oh, the God. It's just taping it on there and they're like, go, go, we're losing daylight. Let's just get the shot. What about my skin? We'll take it up. We'll pay you $50 more. Go. So from the Rigel to Chorus line and Barrows is not keen (laughs) on the fact that Bones just has two fucking go-go dancers. So he's like, ah, they can go to fun. And one of them goes to Rodriguez. No, one of them goes to Sulu and the other one goes to Spock. And Spock's just like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Spock's just not into it. And, uh, he literally says he's gonna go. He literally says, "I'm going home. I'm done. I'm going yeah. home." <laughs> I've been here for thirty minutes. I've had enough of this planet. This is, you know, this is no good. There's no museums uh, here. I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, what's her name is uh, is alive again. Tana's alive again, which is nice. Yeah, the camera just pans by her, and she's just there. She gets no like, oh yeah, you're alive. Like you're, you know, you're back too. She's just in the background of a shot and we're, it's never addressed. Yeah. And then we have the moment at the end where it looks like, do you have a good time? And everyone goes, yeah, well, it's good. And he goes, fucking dorks. <laughs> when he goes to Spock first, he says illogical, but like, that's Spock for fucking dorks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then- and that, that's it, you know. And the audience is just left with questions like, wait, did they cure death in this episode and we just glossed over it? Like, did that planet say that they could like cure anybody or do anything and we're we're never going back there again huh? well, okay. was McCoy like not actually dead yeah it's not clear it I mean was... he was stabbed through the heart it's pretty but he, might... got blood. he didn't see blood he didn't see blood it's it's like an amok time death it's fine I, I think there was a bloody spot like right there in was the a bloody spot but yeah I, I think he was pretty dead but yeah, you know, I guess this planet can cure death. And uh, with that in mind, it, it makes like Rathacon make less sense. Like, why was anyone worried? Like, oh, let's just go to the planet where McCoy died for five minutes and let's just fix it. But if we're going to list the planets and stars that can cure death, I think we're into like <laughs> double digits. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a. F- <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it, this, is, this is one of my favorite episodes to show people who've never watched Star Trek before because. I, I get roommates, you know, and friends who are like, like, okay, well, show me something. And if I don't show them the scene in Star Trek Insurrection where Data, like, tells Worf his uh, boobs have firmed up, I show them this episode. And then they uh-huh. never ask to show them anything again. Like, they just, <laughs> the franchise is insane. Will is just out of his mind, you know. No, it's the true test. This is the true test. I want to show this to my friends. And if they stick around... They're the ones I need. If they leave, if they can't even stomach the entire episode, they're out of there. It's like the um, how many seven-year-olds could you fight test? You know this one? <laughs> if you ask somebody you want to date, how many seven-year-olds could you fight? If they give you an actual answer, but more importantly, ask you the parameters of the question, you should date them because they have an expansive mind. Right. If they say, I'm not, if they're really enthusiastic about, um, <laughs> like, listen, they're they're a they get really enthusiastic about fighting seven-year-olds. You if they're ferociously violent, then that's true love. <laughs> but then, if they if they go, I'm not fighting a seven-year-old. I'm not fighting seven-year-old. They don't actually want to engage with the question. They take everything too seriously. Yeah, it's yeah. just you don't have a person around. They're not the type to listen to. Well, I guess, podcasts like I could start. Like I could start, obviously. 
Yeah, I'd like all quitters. I'd like you to at us and tell us how many seven-year-olds you think you could find. <laughs> and any questions? Yeah, should we do? Should we do trivia, people? I'm ready yeah. to know about the tiger. I he's been in the back of my mind. <laughs> so, as we said, this episode was being rewritten as it was being shot. Cast members recalled Roddenberry sitting under a tree, frantically reworking the script to keep it both under budget and within the realms of believability. It went one day over shooting. Um, basically, it was written by Theodore Sturgeon, who also wrote A Mock Time. Yeah, okay. what, a, King. what a wild swing. Like, that's, that's just crazy King. to me. I mean, Theodore Sturgeon, if you, for, for the Spurks, Theodore Sturgeon is one of those writers who was basically getting away with as much homosexual content as you could in the 1960s. This is why it's on the list. This is why we had this energy. We had this soul match. Thank mm. you, Theodore. Yeah, but so Roddenberry thought it contained too much fantasy and lacked believability, so he assigned Gene Kuhn to rewrite it. However, Gene Kuhn misinterpreted the task and his draft turned out to be even more of a pure fantasy. <laughs> Which, Roddenberry, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I really wish they had just gone with that version. I would like to have seen like what a more off-the-rails episode would have been. I'm just trying to figure out how you go from, oh, you need to make it less. Can you just be, misread the re word less is more? Or was the note really vague? Yeah. Like, just was it just passing in the hallway? Like, like there's a lot of fantasy in this. Can you fix it? And then you just misinterpreted it. Like, oh, you mean more fantasy? Absolutely. Yeah. I guess they fi CBS finally gave us a budget. And, you know, Thank I guess you. turned into insane, like, script that they could never film. I want to read it. I want to read what that. I want to read what Kuhn wrote. Yeah. So yeah, and that's why Roddenberry had to had to write a lot of it while it was being shot because they ran out of time. So and it's it's clear they were running out of time. Like even when filming, like the episode where or the end of the episode where the old man comes out in the moo moo and explains what's going on, you can even see like they've got like two uh, K lights like set up right behind camera because they're losing daylight. Yeah, they've lost daylight by that point. Yeah, you know, and so you could tell they were like under the gun. Like, let's get this like going. And there are a couple of close up shots of some characters that look like they might be filmed in the studio. Yeah. So Theodore Sturgeon, who wrote it, said about it that this episode was a gas because anything could happen. Any wild idea you possibly have could be stuck into that script. Everybody had a good time with that one. He submitted a sequel to it. Surely two, but it was not produced. It is unknown whether the concepts for that outline were worked into the animated series sequel Once Upon a Planet. What? As a sequel? As a sequel. We will yeah. cover the sequel at some point. That's a Star Trek promise. Yeah, that's so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's certainly an episode. Okay. <laughs> so William Blackburn, who played Hadley the a background character, and a professional ice skater in real life, played the White Rabbit, got the costume from Ice Capades for free. So the White Rabbit costume was designed to be with an ice skating costume. The yep. claustrophobic Blackburn had a painful time wearing it, especially as costume designer William Westhouse had originally sewn the rabbit head to the suit. What? How do you get, so you get in, like you scoop yourself in? Yeah. Like, you, that's horrible. Why would you sew it in? Just don't sew it. Yeah. Just don't. After nearly suffocating, Blackman tore off the head, earning Thice's rough. Ultimately, Thice reattached the head with Velcro. Afterwards, Blackman had no problem with the costume. He also because there were air holes. Yeah. <laughs> he also commented that wearing the gorn head in arena was worse. Aw. Well, you know what? You, know, you have to suffer for art, so... Do we so, know it was... I was just going to say, Black, uh, Blackburn, was he, it would be really funny, like, I don't know if you guys saw the, uh, a few years ago, uh, Shatner did, like, a uh, new commercial for, like, a Star Trek game, and it was, like, current day. Or oh, him and the Gorn playing. In the Gorn. Yeah. Do we think that maybe they got Blackburn back to put him back in the Gorn suit for that, and it's just Blackburn's literally the old men? He's 92, but he's still going. Yeah, I wonder if they got him to play the Gorn again. That oh, would make yeah. that commercial, was, like, worth it. That game's terrible, but that would make yeah. the uh, that would make that whole commercial worth it. Well, I wonder. That's a thing for somebody with better more time than me to do to look up. <laughs> so yeah, the other thing, Sturgeon's original script featured Human Rand in the landing party, but uh, because Human because Janice Rand was written out of the series for um, various reasons, 
Mm-hmm. They, they Tonya Barras as well. And she had a lot of close scenes with Kirk, but Kuhn and Roddenberry changed them to include Dr. McCoy instead. Now, so there is a chained tiger in this episode that was brought in to appear on set. While the tiger never directly interacted with any of the performers, William William Shatner had hoped to wrestle it, but was convinced it would not be a wise decision. Let William Shatner <laughs> wrestle the tiger. Obviously, you let that happen. Why not? I was imagining that conversation. It's like, so when do I get to wrestle with the tiger? And everyone just sort of pauses and looks at him and goes, What do you mean when do you get to wrestle with the tiger? Like, yeah, when do I get to wrestle with the tiger? It's like, Bill, you were never going to wrestle with the tiger. <laughs> yeah, like, but you, you can't fight a stuntman in a scene. What makes you think you can wrestle a tiger? You know, like, that's just the most insane, like, on-brand Shatner thing I can imagine. We like, were yeah, I can wrestle a tiger. It's like, you can't run. What do you mean you can wrestle a tiger? <laughs> Sorry, you can't run. <laughs> but, oh, Shatner, I just, we were robbed. We were robbed of what would have been an excellent story, at least for us. It might have cut the TOS slightly short. Shatner had been mauled by a tiger. <laughs> We'd be talking about the tragic first season of Star Trek that never continued because Shatner got mauled by a tiger. So the script also called for an elephant to appear in the episode. (laughs) An elephant was indeed hired by the production staff and brought to the set. But due to running overtime and other difficulties during shooting, the animal never made it before the cameras, which made associate producer Robert Justman, who was not on the set at the time and couldn't oversee production, really angry. Later... Production staff members often jokingly ask director Greg Peters, say, where do you get to use your elephant? That's just insane to me, like that the producer who wasn't there on set is like, we didn't get the film with the tiger or the, the elephant. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't get the film the elephant. It's like, yeah, like it's an elephant, buddy. Like, you know, it takes, if the, the thing is like, so the TV show I work for right now, we feature like wildlife footage all the time of like elephants, like out in the wild and I don't know if you know much about elephants. If they don't want to do something, you cannot make them do something. (laughs) An elephant wants to like destroy everything in sight. You you have to let it do that because nobody tells an elephant no for any reason. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm like, just the idea of like the producer being like, make the elephant perform on camera. I'm like, you're just trying to murder everybody on set. That's such a bad idea. Well, it's, it seems like they were, they just didn't get around to filming those scenes, which just gets really funny. There's like an off-camera, there's just an ele- like right off-camera, there's an elephant train, an elephant. It's like, so when, so when do we get our, our special time? It's like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, it, maybe, in, maybe in like half an hour, we'll be ready for you. Yeah, it's just over by craft services with like one guy has got it like on a leash. <laughs> He's just like holding a coffee and the elephant's got like a tiny like polyester coffee mug and it's like trunk just sort of holding it. <laughs> Just standing there. Occasionally, like an extra will come by who's just like filming for the day, and is like, "There's an elephant here." Yeah, we're trying. His to name's Ke- His name is Keith. He's fine. <sighs> yeah. So that's the trivia. William Shatner wanted to fight a tiger. This is honestly just this episode has changed my life. It's made my day. It's there's so many there's so many things I like about it, and just the because like obviously like t- like television like this back then was not cheap to produce, but like. Where they cut corners, like, astounds me. And just, like, the bunny suit, being from an Ice Capade show, makes so much sense. It looks so bad. And the fact that they're just constantly like, this place is a paradise, you know? How can we find a place like this? It's clearly just a park. Like, it could not look more like a park. And they're, like, keep talking about how it's uninhabited. But there are, like, walking trails, like, right behind them in every shot you see like little like trails where people just walk all the time. And you see a family it, having like, a picnic. <laughs> basically, like a lot of the shots, you feel like they're cropping out a picnic table. I know they are. Like, it's just, the shots are so weird. That has to be what's going on. So I love like it. really manicured lawn they're running across. And- right. <laughs> yeah. There's absolutely like no wild grass except for like little like things in production put in by like the lake. It looks, yeah, it just looks like the park that's down the street from my house. Like, look at this paradise. It's from Alice in Wonderland. The public domain thing I can reference, you know. So basically, it, this reference still, I guess it's a copyright thing, but 
Isn't like she like a drug induced like fever dream? It's not even appealing. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know it, it's like her on opium. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know, maybe being stuck in a starship for like months and years at a time, maybe you are just like a tree. Oh my God, this is like phenomenal, you know, because this Actually, is before that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess in that sense, it makes sense. But yeah, just the cheapness of this episode overall is makes it like a fave of mine, despite it being like absolutely bonkers. It's bonkers, but it's bonkers in that sort of TRS way where it's like, I want more of this, please. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's a, honestly, it's a sort of bonkers energy that Star Trek hasn't been able to recapture until Lower Decks. Right. Mm. Love just, to hear it. I'll just be like, oh, you know, you thought this was a serious show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> That's kind of what it's, it's, it's wonderful. I'm, you know, I am vetoing a are we quitting for this week? Because I'm not quitting. I don't think anyone should quit because of this. Will, are you quitting? You brought this to us. No, this episode can never make me quit. You know, okay. this is uh this this honestly might be the episode of the original series I've seen the most because I because back That's in the cheap. day when I like rent stuff from the video store, uh this was like one of three VHS tapes like one video store had on Star Trek. And so I think I kept just renting this as a kid. And so I think I've seen this more times than I've seen any of the, of the other episodes. It was Destiny. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that always oh. makes the episode a favorite. Like, there was a period when on my iPod I had Encounter at Farpoint Part 1 and 2. <laughs> and that was a period when we used to fly over to Canada every year. So there was added to the West Indies. So I think on the flight from London to Tobago, I watched Encounter at Farpoint four times. That's a Ooh. perfect journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a... Ooh, that that's a rough one to watch a lot. I, I mean, love I, it. I love I, it. I, I do like the episode. I, I mean, it's very clearly like two very different ideas they smash together. It's but... also meant to be an hour. Um, DC Fontana wrote it as an hour, and Gene Roddenberry wrote it to two. And you can tell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it's got very obvious things like that. But I mean, I do like it. I I don't think it's as bad as it's made out to be. Conversely, Shore Leave, I, I hear constantly like. I'll read lists where it's like, oh, that's one of the best episodes of the series. And I'm like, are what do you mean by best? Like, what is your, how, how do you mean best? Because I know how I mean it, you know. Just my but, objectively correct personal choice. <laughs> well, I think it's one of these ones where whenever people talk about best or worst episodes of Star Trek, there are two ways to interpret it. There's like, best as in fun and enjoyable, in which case, yeah. Right. And as best yeah. as in, this is really good, this is really well made, it's really well directed, really well written, really well acted, in which it's not. Right, and the, yeah. At the exact end, there's bad in the sense of, oh, this episode's really dull. And yeah. there's bad in the sense of, this episode just shouldn't have been made. Yeah, exactly. And this is just not, it's not bad in either of those forms. It's just bonkers. Yeah. Which still qualifies it for I Quit Star Trek, I should point out, for anyone listening, thinking, is this episode too good? We do bonkers episodes too. Mm. So yeah, yeah I, I think this definitely deserves to be here because it is like it is one of those episodes where you know it doesn't make you like hate the world or hate humanity it doesn't make you like miserable uh, but at the same time there's no way they would make a Star Trek episode like this today like no. you will not be a Discovery episode that's anything like this and that's, a um, damn and that's what makes it special it's, yeah. also though if you're giving an episode like this more criticism than say the Omega Glory. You have a problem. <laughs> you need to reevaluate right. your life, your values, your morals. <laughs> yes. Let us enjoy. Yeah, if Star Trek is going to go off the rails and not be like, if I'm not going to get the Doomsday factor, I'm, I want this, you know, or the Doomsday yeah. machine. I want this. Like, this is, those are the two flavors of TOS that I like. It is legitimately really good, like, sci-fi television. Or like Spock's brain, like just those are the only two flavors I like, you know, of original. Stuff. Yeah, whenever it tries to bung them together, you get a lot of Troyes, which. Uh... <laughs> yeah, the, I will once again reiterate: the last twenty minutes of a lot of Troyes, really good. Everything else about it, fucking bolts. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. But when you separate the two, you get Surly, which is wonderful. And um, final question: Ah, uh, Tripnet cursed. How dare you! So, How dare you? The triplet scale for those who 
are uninducted is drawn from the trip notes that appear on Commander um, Charles Tucker III trip. They appear as rifts in episode four of Enterprise, unexpected, <laughs> when he gets impregnated. He gets rifts nipples. And that was so horrible, we have decided to induct that into <laughs> our canon for measuring episode cursed. You say so. we, but it, was, it wasn't a mutual decision. I the have system. been suffering with this. And at certain points, I have been the one to bring it up, yes. But that's more of a Stockholm Syndrome effect taking place. Now, as, I, as has been pointed out to me the last time we mentioned the Stockholm Syndrome, it's not a real thing. It's just that the Swedish police are misogynists. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let me get my reference in. <laughs> anyway, the system we devised is that zero triplets is an uncursed episode. And ten triplets is the most cursed possible. And I think this sits because of the Irishness and McCoy Barrows <laughs> at a white hot seven. Perhaps a yes. six. Excuse me? That doesn't mean <laughs> it's not enjoyable. Excuse? I'm sorry, I feel like you've given worse episodes I a six. Okay, fine, fine. I'll give Bye. it a five, but I will just remind you. McCoy with a woman half his age. Kirk with someone who isn't spot. This is this is true. This is true, but I want to overlook the flaws, okay? It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't racist, was it? No. <laughs> kind of maybe a bit, I mean, but no. It was hyperphobic, but uh, yeah. Five. We'll go with five. Well, yeah, I, I was gonna, I was gonna come in a, a good healthy six trip nips, but uh, I think I've been convinced to go to go to a five. I think I think that's that's a fair because I'll cry. Fair, that's a fair <laughs> amount of trip for this uh, episode. Yeah, it's um cursed, but not like violently. So it's just kind of like, oh, what okay. the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Let me ask this onto the viewers: How many trip nips would you give the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> An objectively perfect piece of literature. <laughs> you would give zero. it zero. No, no, no. no. I shall also be giving this ten, episode zero. The Bible gets ten out of ten triplets, Olivia. There's Don't one of the, this for me. The Bible, the Bible has a the Bible has stories where people have to try and sacrifice their own children. I went to Catholic school. The Can Bible we get some gets ten talk about that? Can we Listen. get somebody to make a uh, a version of the Bible that has the trip nips on it that has all ten trip nips? It's the, like on the, the front. <laughs> the trip nip version of the Bible is what I want. What have I done? I need to go to confession now. <laughs> so Olivia gave it zero because of its perfection. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, that's the main content done for this week. And while we contemplate how many trip nips the Bible should deserve, do you have anything to plug? Will anything for our yeah. Twitters to enjoy? Yes, if uh, if you enjoyed me talking and kind of want to like, if you like more of my stuff, I do. The best way to follow me is Twitter and Instagram, kind of. If you search up entitled Willennial, you'll find me. Um, and uh, I got the first two chapters of my sci-fi book up, The Sea Scraper. Um, the rest of the book is coming out soon. I just finished like editing chapter three. But if you find, if you go to my Instagram or you go to my Twitter, you'll see the link to the first two chapters. Uh, the movie, horror movie I co-wrote, Scare Us, is available on, I think it's available on everything, Amazon, uh, Voodoo, iTunes. I don't know internationally if it's available yet, but if you have a VPN and you pay for it, I don't care how you see it. Scare Us is, uh, is available. I'm really proud of it. And uh, if you like television shows about viral videos and you want to feel good, check out the TV show I uh, work for right this minute. Um, we're, check us out online. I'm really proud of that show. We make good stuff every day. Right, this yeah. minute. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's some excellent stuff there. I hope all of our quitters are still... Uh, uh, I forget that our fans are cool, but we're, we're going to keep going with yes. this. As I say, quit, quit Star Trek. Read my book instead, The Sea Scraper. Mm. I want to get the entire fan base over to read uh, the book. Excellent. Well, you know, our hash I was going to bounce, you know, we should get hashtag quitters on a shirt, which is a um, nice segue to, as I say each week, um, if you want some quit Star Trek merchandise, please pop over to Public and look for I Quit Star Trek, where you can get yourself some shirts with our slogans on it, such as hashtag trip nips, 
I am Jean's vision. Jean's vision with an arrow pointing at yourself, which is um, <laughs> our favourite. My next um, purchase. Masarkaverse yeah. and many others. Um, all profits from that will go to the Trevor Project LGBT Youth Charity. I need to, we've very, we've had lots of people, we've had quite a lot of purchases and some lovely photos from the quitters. So as before, please send them in. Actually, while I'm here, anybody who is at this weekend at Star Trek Las Vegas, if you're there and you, you're in a, you're in your Star Trek, I've got Star Trek merchandise, please pop us a photo. Really yes. cool. If you take any photos mm-hmm. with Star Trek actors wearing your I quit Star Trek merch, that'd be fucking awesome. Order your shirt. I feel like it would actually come in time. Mine came the next day, right? Wasn't it the next day? It was like two days. Okay, well, I'd like to see you in the shirt, so. Let's, yeah, you know, if you're it. there, that'd be great. I just remembered also this comes out on Sunday, which I think might be after Star Trek Las Vegas finishes. Hmm, okay. I'll cut that part out then. Well, no. Uh, well, I'll check and we can see. If not, I'll just tweet out, please send us photos. Yeah. Uh, either way, um, enjoy yourself at Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, but yeah, that's us for this week. Thank you so much, Will. This has been really fun. It's been great to do that episode that hasn't ha- made my brain hurt. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's always good. good. I think... Yeah. We're due with we do an enterprise episode next week, so you know I need some. Oh dear, I need to prepare. <laughs> I yeah. I'm ready to see Trip's face. <laughs> I'm. It's always a joy. So yeah. Um, until next week, I've been John. I've been Olivia. I've been Will. And um, we'll see you next time. See you next time. Don't don't run into any <laughs> knights made of porcelain. Don't punch an Irish. Don't punch an Irishman. Yeah. Don't punch an Irish. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.